Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Excited to have you here again today. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, uh, being so kind as to sharing it with your friends and colleagues and helping them learn the best practices that we try to share here. Today is a very special day because we don't just have one expert on the call. We have two. And we're going to be able to talk about how you should prepare now and for the after and what you need to really be thinking about. Probably definitely some things that you have not thought about uh, as you were thinking about all the crazy things going on with COVID as well. Today we have uh, Angie Mendez and Kathy, and I know I'm going to say this wrong, Jojovic. Jugovic. Jugovic. See, with a name <laughs> like Dino, it's so hard because I always want to get the names right. But from Embrace Your Practice, and they're going to talk to us about some really important uh, methods of making sure that you're thinking through your practice, not just, oh, do I have the right money or who are we getting rid of or who is somebody who, how are we going to do PPP or how are we going to get the different loans? But how are you going to make sure you come back to a practice that is actually working and viable and all the greases in the wheels, if you will, to make sure that works well. So thank you, ladies, for being on the show. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Yeah, I'm excited about this. This is going to be a lot of fun. So before we get started, one of the things I always do, and everybody who's listened to the show before knows, I always want to establish your story and find out how you got into this industry. So there's two of you, so you're probably going to have to be a little more pithy, but tell us why you decided to get into the orthodontic industry and tell us your story. So I'll go first. My name is Angie Menendez, and my story is when I was 15 years old, I had the most serious open bite that you could ever see. I could never mm -hmm. eat a pizza. And um, this kid that was- Never eat a pizza. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I mean, I would bite and the pizza would still be there, you know? So I had to use a fork and a knife. So I always used a fork and a knife to eat my pizza because I had an open bite. And I'm sure people that have open bites or tongue thrust understand that whole story. Totally get it. What was really cool about it is that I had a young man that his name was right after mine. That was Menendez. He was Myers. And he had just went to an orthodontist. And he goes, Angie, go to an orthodontist because- you could have such a great smile. And I'm like, I always had my hands in front of my mouth like this. You know, mm. I, I, I just didn't like my smile. And sure. literally I went to my orthodontist, which oddly enough is still in practice to this day. He wow. is an Invisalign top provider in Miami. Um, I went to an orthodontist and he corrected my open bite and I was able to smile. And that's when I knew that I wanted to be in this career. I wanted to help people have a smile. So I, be, I became his uh, translator for consultations because it was a primarily a Spanish community there. I became a translator, then I became an assistant, and then I became an all around anything that the office needed person. And then I worked with another orthodontist for 22 years. I loved it, I, I'm passionate about ortho. I'm passionate about smiles. I'm passionate about new technology. So that was what my passion was. And then I met Kathy and we both had the same passion and we just felt like we wanted to share our passion with other offices and other staff members to make sure they have the passion if they're going to work for the office. That's awesome. So that's Very cool. Thank you. Awesome. A little bit about mine. Angie told you how uh, basically Embrace Your Practice got started. I got in the dental field as well in high school, uh, senior in high school, the local dentist uh, was looking for 
somebody to be a file clerk. And I went in and long story short, he trained me to be an assistant. I found that that was my calling was the dental field. So uh, it just took off from there. So I have 24 years in general. And then I started my career after that in ortho. Mm -hmm. And that's where I ended up meeting Angie. I hired her in an office that I was working in. And that's many moons ago. And then we just, at some point in both of our careers, we were in another office, a second office together and said, you know what, let's go out and, and start our own company to share our knowledge and systems and protocols. And that's how Embrace Your Practice got formed five years ago. And we wow. haven't looked back since. That's very, very cool. And so your main focus when you go into practice is helping people really establish their systems or protocols to make things work a lot smoother inside the office. Correct. Yes, yes and no. Well, we're a little bit different. We're hands-on consultants mm -hmm. because I specialize mainly in the clinical TC, um, how to sell your practice, how to get your staff motivated on selling. Got it. Cat is specializes in anything with numbers. So if oh, you nice. ever see Kathy scratching her hand, that's she's finding money in your practice that hasn't been shouted <laughs> out for. So that is her her thing. Her thing is the protocols to find money, to stay on top of money, to make sure you have the right systems with money. So between the both concepts we can basically attack any area of the office, whether it's the clinical office, whether it's the way the staff is speaking, whether it's how the staff should be on target with their timelines. So it's a little bit different nice. than your typical consultant. That's very cool. Uh, Kathy, I don't know if you knew this or not. So I, I speak Japanese and in Japan, they uh, will oftentimes spell out, you know, the Japanese characters, they'll spell out by writing in their palm of their hand and then showing it to you, even though there's nothing there. So when you just did that, Angie, I'm like, so is she doing kanji or is she doing math? Like, so that's great. So if I see you doing that, I won't think you're doing Japanese. I'll know you're doing some calculations. Well, I was oh, wondering yeah. why her eyes were slanted a little bit. Maybe that's what it <laughs> She's got a little... Uh, that in her. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about, uh, you reached out to me, uh, Angie, a couple of weeks ago with a concern. And when I heard the concern, I was like, wow, that's something that no one's really talking about. I think a lot of people obviously have seen, I've been trying to uh, talk about a lot of the challenges that are happening in the offices right now and how we can reestablish and get back and back to work and how you can prepare for the after. And one of the themes that I've been talking about is the better you prepare now for the after, is going to determine how you make it when we all get back into business, right? And how well you do. And you right. brought to me this challenge that I never really thought about. It makes sense once you hear about it. You're kind of thinking like, well, duh, why didn't anybody think about that? But nobody's thinking about this. So tell me what you reached out to me about and tell everybody, I should say, why you reached out to me and what your concern was. Well, one of my main concerns was dealing with listening to what the CDC is talking about with the coronavirus. And how once we open the office, we need to be prepared and we need to make sure that we, we are properly equipped in the office and we have to look at things differently. And mm -hmm. so one of the biggest things that I see is right now, I know that the offices have limited staff in the office and things like that, but I think you need to walk through your office. You need to evaluate, do I have the right equipment in my office? Have, if I'm shutting down my office, am I shutting down the office like I'm supposed to with the kind of equipment that I have? And I, I know that 
Um, we have had some conversation about how to take care of some of the equipment, but we really haven't had a true discussion on how to prepare the office, especially offices that have open bays. Now with using high speeds and low speeds, there really has to be that vocabulary out there about what we need to do in our offices. And that's where I feel like we really have to take a good walk through our office and evaluate when with office opens. Am I truly prepared to open my office? Am I going to be able to really be able to work on 100 patients if that's what I see? Or do I have to change the rhythm of the practice so that I can see my patients to not have cross-contamination? Well, I think one of the big challenges right now, of course, is the unknown, right? Like, uh, I think you and I were having this conversation, and I've had it with a plenty of other people. Of We have no idea if when they say, yeah, you can open your doors again, but based upon how many chairs you have based upon how much square footage you have you can see this amount of people during a week a weekday or you can only see patients who you know are already in treatment and you can't see new patients like there's gonna be some sort of regulations on that for sure we don't know right. that so what i like and kathy maybe you can speak to this is how are you how how do you how are you having a conversation with your clients or even with anybody listening on how to prepare for the unknown, because they don't know. What can they do right now when we don't know? Right, and that's where um, Angie has, and I, if we've got together, you know, her being in Tennessee and me being in Florida, we do a lot of Zoom meetings every day, just the two of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're so used to being on the road together. You know, we started talking about this a couple of weeks ago when she reached out to you and we started putting a whole list together. So I put my list together of, you know, what the front desk area, what do they need to do in order to get ready? Right now we have them, you know, all working their insurance, AR, running, you know, the claims, you know, keeping the money rolling in, but okay, that's great. But now what do we do? Patients are actually walking in. So, you know, for the front end, it's, you know, you got to have a totally different um, template. You can't have a template. If you're used to seeing 70, 80, 90 patients a day, we're pretty certain that's not going to happen once the government says, okay, you can open. We really think they're going to limit it. So I've started talking to our clients that they really need to take their template and cut it in half. Mm. Start right there, cut it in half 50%. And that is like you said, if they're active patients, are they going to let them see new patients? Mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing that we don't know. But, you know, as far as the front end, we can go in deeper uh, talking about it is the team needs to come up with a plan now. They need to have their own Zoom meetings together mm-hmm. and start talking about what are we going to do? How are we going to let the, the, the patients know they need to start putting things on their Facebook, their their website, they need to start sending out, you know, mass emails. These are the things they're going to have to do. And the office may even have to consider bringing 50% staff back. Maybe have two teams, team one, team two. You're going to have to be open longer hours, you know, and that way give everybody a chance. If you're going to cut your team into 50%, have two teams. Keep the office open for maybe 10, 12 hours a day but let your, your team rotate so they all are getting the ability to work. That's a very interesting thing because um, uh, most doctors, or I'd say a lot of doctors, are used to the shorter work week, right? That the reason a lot of them got into orthodontics, right? Oh, I only have to work three, three days a week or whatever. But 
really to establish the need and to take care of the need, hopefully, that will be there once we open the doors, you're going to have to rethink the way that you were doing business before. You're going to have to rethink longer hours, longer weeks, maybe open Saturdays. Like, there's going to be a lot of shifting that way. So you now, the preparation you're talking about that both of you are, are prepared to, to share with us is about strengthening that machine so that when you say, hey, team, I know we hired you and we hired you at a three-day-a-work thing, but we're going five. You got to have that established and you have to be okay to do that. And you got to be able to say, but this is what I need you to do. This is what you're going to do here. Like you said, the different teams. I think that's really, really smart. Well, I, I also have, have looked at it as they have to really truly look at the schedule. So mm -hmm. there might be a schedule that you can have a no doctor team. So a no, do a no doctor team to me would be that the chairs are still booked, but they're booked for um, check refinements rescan refinements because the doctor doesn't have to be there for scanning observations pre-do your observation on a, a texting platform um like say rhinogram um mm -hmm. or uh, super snap um have a have that type of platform only have the patients come in that are actually true starting patients and if it's just to, to do an x-ray and and do a scan the doctor doesn't have to be there. So maybe your observation, your new patient protocol, if the doctor pre-talks to them on the Zoom or on a texting platform, then they can come in with the TC and all those paperwork are done depending on if you have another third-party service like you know, uh, OrthoFi uh, or if you have OrthoBank or some type of uh, way that way that all the paperwork can be pre-done once the patient comes in, then the patient can come and just have the scan and they will come when the doctor comes in to actually do the installation of whatever it is. So it's really opening up your mind to see what times do you really truly need the doctor there and how to adjust the schedule for a doctor time schedule and a non-doctor time schedule so that you could still have two teams running and yeah. you might even see that you start out more patients on your non-doctor time schedule because now they've already been prepped before they walk in the door yeah, I think you uh, could even look at uh, the third team, which is going to be that virtual team, right? That team that's like, hey, you're just in charge of just doing the retainer checks. You're in charge of doing the OBS checks virtually. Like we're not going to okay. even have people come in. We're going to do all virtually. So it's great. So let's look at some of the actual specific uh, areas that you like are concerned about that people aren't thinking about right now because we've been talking about after but during right. right now, during this part right now, there is some stuff that people, you even mentioned right on our pre-call that you were talking to a doctor who's like, man, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm thinking about, am I going to get a loan? Am I going to get take care of my PPP? Right. But they weren't thinking about some of these other things that are really important to make sure that we're ready to go when the doors open again. Well, like I said a bit uh, at the beginning is that you really have to walk through your office and evaluate your office first. Yeah. And to me, you have to actually have a list of things that you think are in the best category that you know that you're really highly and that you don't have to fix it. And then you have to start writing notes of what areas you feel might look differently once the office opens. So uh, Angie, one that's one more list I have to make. 
Oh, well, you know, that's why you have to call and brace your practice because. Oh, so you have the list. To help guide you with the list because we want to open up the conversation with the doctors, definitely. And um, one of the lists that I've already made is, first of all, you should have a list of if there is limited people in your office and you're not seeing patients, this is the time, and I'm going to say this out out of being a clinical consultant and going into offices, of the things that I see when I walk in the office, that things are not properly cleaned out to the level that it needs to be done. So make sure that your your ultrasonic is drained completely, that you're cleaning out your whole ultrasonic, that you're cleaning the tubes, making sure that nothing's clogged. If you have an ultrasonic that's not working properly, go ahead and order your new ultrasonic. I mean, these you have to make sure that all your equipment is working to the level that you need to make sure your equipment is working, okay? Make sure that all your hand pieces are lubricated properly. If there are hand pieces that are not working, go ahead and send them out. This is the time to send it out because we're down. So you have time to send all this equipment out. Make sure that you have enough instruments in your practice. Sometimes sterilization is not rotating like it's supposed to. Make sure that you have the proper amount of equipment, that you have the proper amount of of what you need. And then the other biggest things is that you have to make sure that anything to do with your suctions that you're putting in the the right kind of sterilization to clean out the suctions, because I am telling you now, that I foresee, and this is just me talking, this is not CDC or anything, that every time you use a suction, you're gonna have to not only change the tip, you're gonna have to actually drain it and make sure that the line is completely cleaned and it's not clogged and that you don't see anything in the inner filter. And you might actually have to get more filters to change your filters on your suctions. So these are little things that maybe you do once a week or once a month or whatever that you might have to do between every single patient. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's, look at that. It, it makes sense to actually be thinking, um, even if that never comes to fruition, it makes sense to be thinking that that's the possibility. So we're prepared for it and we're ready to go. Right. And the other big thing that I do see a lot of offices that I've only, I think I've only been in, very few offices that they, that the staff members walk in with their regular clothes and they change in the office that I don't see that hardly ever. I think that's going to change. I think you're going to have to have a uniform service or an in-house washer and dryer with the shoes in the office. You're going to have to have lockers for your staff members. They're going to have to walk in with their regular clothes and their regular shoes. They're going to have to have their uniforms there and they're going to have to change out their uniforms. And if they leave for lunch or they leave or they have lunch, they're going to have to take their uniforms off and they're going to have to have disposable jackets between every single patient. And that's why I said, we're going to have to really design a actual patient time where you're going to be thoroughly, your chair is ter- it's, it's going to be thoroughly ready with sterilization and covers and covering the chairs and everything like that. And you're going to have to have a virtual because you're not going to want somebody to come in just for a basic retainer check. And you've just spent $50 on mask for yourself, for your assistant, for the patient's parent, if you want to talk to the patient's parent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause they're probably gonna have to come in with masks and the gloves that they're gonna have to use and the chair has to be sprayed and not wiped down you gotta let it dry so it's all of this you have to look at in a bigger picture so why not prepare now for that bigger picture 
Mm-hmm. No, it makes a lot of sense. We're going to have to start thinking about it more like the hospitals are doing right now with our shoes, with our booties, with our clothes, mm-hmm. with our scrubs, not being able to take clothing home with us. And yeah, you're right. That's going to be an interesting, it, I'm telling you, it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be an interesting, at least the next 12 months of stuff that's going to come out new, stuff that's going to come out new. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go to the extreme at first and then pull it back a little bit. But um, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Well, I'm going to tell you from my experience, and I don't want you to know how old I really am. But like 24, 25? started was in, around 1984 when the AIDS uh-huh. came. When oh, yeah. AIDS, that's when gloves started. That's when masks started because I right. worked in the where there was no gloves, no mask in the office, yeah. you know, and, and the AIDS came and the AIDS scare happened and everybody was doing all this. And I feel like over time, everything has laxed itself out. Sure. I think that we have to be more diligent and following these guidelines because this is how we can prevent any kind of spreading. Like well, even- and I was going to say with, uh, with what you were saying about like with the tubes and stuff like that, when you think about it with uh, the drain tubes and stuff, when with AIDS, it typically is going to it's transferred through body fluids, right? Whereas when you have something like COVID, which is transferred through air, through bacteria, like there's a higher chance of that. So when you're talking filters cleaning, when you're talking about tubes cleaning after and sterilization after each thing, it it's not far fetched to think that. No, I mean I think we're going to have to actually wear a mask, wear eyewear, and actually wear the visor also because anything they cough they spit any of those things it's going to come right up at you and you're gonna have to change your mask every single time well what's what's interesting is i was watching uh i was listening to a news program yesterday where they were doing a they're testing out a new way to test for covid that is faster that you get the results in 15 minutes and the doctor, as he was doing performing the test, he was doing it as a swab in the mouth. And he said, the reason why we wear the PPE, the, all the protection stuff, is because what we do typically causes the patient to cough or to, uh, to gag. And so the spit gets on us. That's the reason. We, we don't do it because we're worried about the air or the bacteria. We do it because the spit will get on us. Well, like everybody listening to this, where do you deal with like where do you get people to cough and to gag and all that so it just makes sense yeah oh no i mean a hundred percent i mean i'm also seeing a lot of stuff on linkedin where people are actually having tabletops that are clear that slides over the patient and they're working under with a glass top oh interesting and and i I just spoke with another doctor that she's a heavy-duty diver and her and her husband are trying to come out with an actual uh, headgear that connects on where the oxygen comes in and out like a diver working wow. on Especially when you use high speeds. Let's talk about high speeds and low speeds. Let's talk about it. Okay. We may not be able to use that on an open bay. We might have to have mm. an actual private room for any D-bands, any kind of any kind of uh, handpiece use, we may not be able to open use that in an open bay. We might have to have actual uh, dividers between every chair or clear dividers just so that that doesn't spray out. Yep. Yeah. There's a, that's what that's, we're talking about. 
So interesting. I think, again, it's just going to be interesting to see. Look, I, I think one of the challenges that we're obviously sitting here speculating on what could be, and, you know, we're also relying on the government to make smart decisions, which isn't always, in my opinion, the best, the best course of action. But in that, that being said, like, it's possible, it's feasible that none of this actually comes to play. But here's the thing. I'd rather be prepared for it, for it to happen than not. And I would be really surprised to see that we don't see any major changes or a big shift. Unfortunately, unfortunately too, I don't think dental, any type of the oral sciences gets the credit and credibility that a medical uh, establishment would like a, a, a physician or a hospital. So we're going to see people using us as the afterthought, not the forethought. And that's going to be a challenge. Well, you know what? One of the things that I see, because of course I'm into marketing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I feel instead of marketing the offices for new patients and all of this, I mean, I think it is very important, but I think that if you invest in your office to upgrade your office, to have a better system on not having this cross-contamination of either putting dividers between your right. office, like clear dividers, stepping up your game with your sterilization, showing that you're buying all this equipment uh, for the staff to wear, bringing out that new tech line and actually advertising that, hmm. that's going to make your office look more ready for a grand opening of the office opening again. Hmm. And actually that should be the conversation out there is listen, we know this is happening, but you know what? We're stepping up our game because we want to give back to you as a community. And this is what we're going to do for you is that even though it's not required right now, we're stepping up our game. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So Kathy, I'd like to find out from you. So what are some of the areas that you are most concerned that people aren't thinking about right now to establish for the reopening when it comes to the finances, when it comes to uh, really the, the stability of the business side of things. Well, the, as far as that part goes, you still have, you know, the patient AR, you still have the insurance AR. Listen, we are, we're really pushing for, for clients to work that insurance AR. As far as we know, majority of the insurance companies are open. And as far as the patient AR goes, We've been firm believers, listen, you're going to have a, some patients call you and not want to make their, their payment this month. Yeah. You know, the majority of our clients, we've only seen a handful that patients have actually said, hey, listen, you know, can I put April and May to the back end of the contract? Which you know, that's fine. As long as the doctor's fine with it, you know, there are still a lot of people out there working, believe it or not. We do have um, virtual off-site financial coordinating happening that our company does do for for clients where we do have one of our staff members that does do this remotely so she's really uh, on the forefront of talking to patients out there seeing who's working who's not working who's wanting to make their payments who can't make their payments so and like i said there's only been a handful that they're all still willing to make their payments because of course the contract you know isn't for monthly visits so they still have to make those payments but you're going to get back into where the office is now open and 
since you've been working your insurance AR and your patient AR during this whole time, I hope really what the front desk needs to then concentrate on is making sure the reception area is clean and ready to go. Take down all the toys, take down your coffee station, don't have magazines, you don't have any of that. And I'm suggesting take out a lot of the chairs. Don't have, if you have 20 chairs in your reception area, take them and set them out six feet apart. And I just read an article yesterday that they're now thinking that this virus is able to, to travel 13 feet. So, you know, are we really going to start seeing where things need to be 13 feet apart? Um, asking the patients, you know, sending out the emails and the text messages, you know, to send the patient in or the office will text when they're ready to come in. You know, please don't bring a lot of siblings in. If the parent can stay in the car, we'd appreciate that. But that way it keeps from having people waiting in your reception area. And like I said, take down the coffee, take down, you know, the, the water, you know, some offices have a water fountain in it. I was in, a, I was in a, it was an establishment yesterday. They had a big out of order at this time on, you know, water fountains. Those are the things that you really need to have to start thinking about when you come in. And it's really how many do you really need at your front desk? Do you normally have four? Maybe let's go to two. Let's have that rotating team one and team two. Um, you know, that's what you got to start thinking about. I love that idea. I think actually I've been promoting for years now, like get a phone bank outside of the front of that office, right? This is a perfect time to establish that where you yeah. only need the one person, the greeter, the director of first impressions, and then all the phone stuff is happening in another part of the office or even off site. So you don't have to worry about that. So, right. Uh, yeah. And we've always talked about just have a greeter out front. And this is, that's the case. You only really need one or two people doing that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, staying on top of, like I said, take, you know, take away the magazines, take away the coffee station, you know, and it could be that I was suggesting, you know, first thing in the morning and at lunchtime, you wipe everything down again, the door handles. It might come down to the, to it that you have to do that every hour. Right. You really don't know what is going to come out of this. But we need to think worst case scenario to get open. Yeah. And then if we can scale some of it back, then we do. Well, and here's the positive thing. That worst case scenario, all these situations, they're doable, right? It's going to take a lot more work. It's going to take a lot of shifting in our mindset and the way that we have looked at our practices up till now. But it's all doable. And so knowing that and knowing that, you know, there's a there's an opportunity here to get better, faster, stronger. I was just reaching out. Oh, somebody had mentioned something earlier today on a, a Facebook post. What is the number one thing you're trying to establish or you think business owners should establish during this time? And I wrote, fill the holes in your boat. Every one of us has holes in our boat, holes in our business. This is a perfect time uh, to, to stop and, and take this as an opportunity to say, wow, we've been given a gift to strengthen, not only strengthen our business, but also create what we wanted out of this. All those times where you're like, man, I'd love to do that. I just don't have the time. Congratulations. The time. We have the time. <laughs> like today's the Sunday. Right. Well, and, the, and, go ahead, Kathy. And the one thing that I not, or Angie and I, EYP, we're not believers in a computer check-in at the front desk. That, you know, mm -hmm. that takes away from actually, you know, 
having communication with people. So we've told all our clients when we go in the office, take it down. But now, now's the time for those that have not taken it down. You have to take it down now. Do Especially not the touchscreen ones. I mean, that's like, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. don't have it now. Get rid of it. it. You know what? Anything that you wanted to change beforehand, now's the time to change it. Just like you said, let's change everything now, and and we'll have a new new set of rules once we get back open. Yep, yep, love it. The other big thing is to start writing templates on on. Um, what adjustments are, or what conversations they want to have with the parents. So a lot of times they have the parents come back, they have that discussion while they're doing great with the rubber bands, they're not doing good with their whatever. If they have some type of texting service, um, like even Podium or, or, or one of these texting services, they can actually have like a report card every time the patient yeah. comes in so that you don't have to have the vocabulary and you don't have to hand a mask to the parent to come in unless it's what we call helicopter moms. Um, but we can actually have a report card. So when the parent, com- when the child comes in or whoever comes in, they get a text message on how that visit went. And then that way they don't even have to come in and the assistant is already on the computer. The assistants should be able to make the appointment with that person when they're in the chair. So when they walk out, they don't have to wait at the front desk and have another cross contamination. They can go ahead and make it. And if mom wants to change it, all she has to do is give a call or text them and they text can change it. Back it in, yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that uh, is going to end up, I know the pushback of so many people is going to be, but it's taking away that personal touch and that personal thing that we've done before. And we want to establish that. Well, all this does is it makes you have to rethink the way that you're doing things and how can you take that personal touch and put it somewhere else? Can you put it on the front end, the back end? Can you do another service that's going to make people feel that they're connected with you? And right now people will be accepting of that because we're all in this together in a, in a really will form. So. Absolutely. And now, now's the time to start rewriting your email confirmations. When mm-hmm. you start, they start to go out, put in there, please brush and floss before coming to your appointment. You yep. know, shut down your, your toothbrush stations right now until further notice and tell them to do that before they come in. Yep. Yeah. And I think most and people are going to be open to that. Even in their texting, um, or their email situation. They can have funny little cute emails or funny uh, texting with emojis or something. They can still have a personal touch. It just doesn't necessarily have to be on a front to front basis. It can be in a more cute format. And yeah, that's I ex- the time to streamline that. Yeah, I actually think it's gonna force them to be more personal on the emails, not so robotic. I mean, people know when they get the standard text that's from a you know, a dolphin or whatever system and not to put any of those down, but when they just press the button of like, send this out there, they know that. And so now it's going to be up to you to actually make it a little more personal. Maybe that person that no longer is going to be in the front desk because you only need one person is now in charge of being behind the scenes of making sure they're sending out personal emails to everybody, things that make it feel more connected. So absolutely. I agree with that. Well, we could talk about this for hours. Obviously, this is great stuff. Thank you so much for sharing so much of this. Uh, let's get to the, we're now come to the place in our show where we go for our six rapid fire questions. Now we got two of you, so that's going to be 12 answers. So we're going to have to be super pity and straight on. You guys ready to play? Okay. 
Or we can rotate. We can do one for question one and one for question All two. All right. It's sure. If you want to do that, that's fine. I'll take uh, the evens. Angie has the odds. I think they. I, I think we actually sent you the wrong question. So even though you answered it, I'll, I'll ask it anyway. What was the number one thing that you that you wish that they taught you in school? So I'm odd. So let's see. Better customer service. Having to look at people when you speak to them and not be looking everywhere else. Learning how to just look at someone and smile and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Nice. Very good. All right, Kathy, your turn. What's, what is a book that you feel every private practice owner should be reading? Fred Factor. We Fred love, Factor. We love the Fred Factor. Yep. Nice. It is nice. A, a real, real good, feel good book that uh, it should be shared amongst the staff. Love it. That's great. Okay. So uh, Angie, in my book, The Practice Rx, I focus a lot on team culture and team as the foundation uh, for business growth. What do you see as the biggest challenge private practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture? Communication within the office. Sharing communication, sharing the knowledge of what's going on with the office. I see that sometimes there Sounds is a lack good. of communication between the front, the back, the doctor, the business. And I think we have to learn how to be a team and have the conversations daily. And if we can have daily conversation about communication and what was expected, the team will actually perform better because we know what we're expected to do daily. I so agree. I know you guys have seen this too, but I love it when I go into the offices and the people are like, uh, the only way we know if the business is doing well, if the doctor's in a good mood, and if he's not in a good mood, then we know the business is doing bad. It's like, well, that's not good communication. Yeah, we need no. to know more than that. Uh, all right, Kathy, so um, tell us, how can listeners reach out to you guys? They can reach out to us through uh, Angie at Embrace Your Practice. Is it, what is your embraceyourpractice.com or at Gmail? No, embraceyourpractice.com. Angie yeah. at embraceyourpractice.com or they can go on our website, which is www.embraceyourpractice.com. And either way, they can get in touch with us. Once they get our personal emails, they see that they have an open line of communication with either myself Kathy, or sometimes we redirect it to Jesse or Chris, which is our other two consultants. Nice. Very good. Okay, uh, Angie, what's the best advice you've ever received in life or on business? Care for one another. Mm. Make sure you That's care the best for one advice. another. Yeah, sure. you know, nobody's better than anybody else. And if you... Um, care about the person in front of you or that person cares about you, only positive things can happen. Yeah, I love it. It's great. All right, Kathy, last question comes to you. What's the best resource or tool that you believe practice owners should be using to grow their practice? Wow, that's, that's a loaded one. Um, I would say where it comes back to the communication, setting up roundtables, setting up on weekly mm -hmm roundtables, your clinical staff, your front desk staff, and then have one that they join together. Because there's a lot of people at the front desk that don't know things clinically. And there's, sure. let's face it, clinicals don't know the front desk. And they should mm -hmm. be able to share that information and educate each other on that. And then have your once a month staff meeting to talk. And it all comes down to what Angie says, communication, big key. 
So true. Uh, it's it's so funny. I always I do a little piece in one of my speeches about the gang war that happens between the front and the back. I just think it's so funny. It's like, yeah, we live with these people eight hours a day, sometimes see them more than we see our own families. And we're going to have some gang war between like what's going on in the front and the back, like get to know each other, get to understand each other's jobs. When we understand what we do, there's a lot less conflict and a lot less frustration because we know we're both just trying to do the best we can possibly do for the business. And that's key. And that comes down to good leadership. That comes down to good communication. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say it, it really starts at the top. Yeah. With the doctor and the practice administrator. It starts right there. Yep. Absolutely. I learned from Kathy when I became um, employed with Kathy was when you when we got hired in, in the office that we worked in, we were not allowed. I w- just because I was hired as an assistant, as a lead assistant, I wasn't allowed to just go into my lead assistant role where a lot of offices, they hire you and they throw you in the chair. I had to sit down beside a person in every department. So I had to sit down beside the person. Oh, nice. the I had to sit, I had a day of the front desk. I had a day in the new patient coordinator's room on the new patient person that took all the phone calls that prepped the day. I had to sit beside the assistant. I had to sit beside the lab tech and I had to sit beside the doctor to see what he does when he uh, sets up his uh, cases, how he looked, how, how much time it takes him to do his Invisalign or his sure smile or whatever it wow. is that he does. Then I was able then to sit with the person that was going to train me in what my position was. So That's it awesome. was a, literally a week of learning what everybody was responsible for so that I did not take for granted what everybody had to do. So that that's was really important. Experience. Yeah, that's really important. I love it. Well, you too, thank you so much for being here, for being a part of the show, for sharing your wisdom and helping people really prepare for that after. I really think it's one of the most important things we can be doing right now. And your wisdom and your, your talent definitely shines through. So thank you, both of you, Kathy and Angie, being here. Well, thank you. Thank you so So, much. Everybody, once again, thank you for being here at the Propreneur Podcast. Again, if you have friends or colleagues that you think would benefit from uh, uh, listening to the show, please share it with them. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, Make sure you also check us out on our Facebook page and our Instagram page. We always love checking in with you all there and finding out how you're doing in your business as well. As always, you know that our goal here is to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. We'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.